and you all can be seated. Well, I am humbled and grateful today to be able to have the opportunity to share with you all uh, the heart of God. Um, Pastors Garrett and Bree are in Oklahoma right now. They're uh, graduating for their Bible school, so we pray that they be rested um, and that they be able to come back safely to us. I'm sure some of you all probably hear a guy that sounds like Garrett, but clearly is not Garrett. So if you don't know me, my name is Cole. Uh, My wife and I, Becca, we serve as children's pastors here at Gathering Place Church. Um, And probably some of you all just rolled your eyes because you have to listen to a children's pastor for 25 minutes, but I promise you, it's going to be all right. So, um, and I know it can be hard sometimes listening to a guy that's young, has flippy hair, um, doesn't have much life experience at all, uh, is wearing tight pants, but, uh, and is a millennial, of course. But uh, you guys deal great with Garrett every single week, and I know you guys are going to deal great with me. I'm just kidding. I can say that because I'm his brother, and I fit that characteristic as well. Uh, But all jokes aside, this is a very important weekend that we celebrate here in the United States of America. It's Memorial Day weekend, Um, and we're very grateful as we honor those who have given the ultimate sacrifice to our country in service through our military um, we wanted to, um, and on behalf of Garrett and Bree, um, we wanted to honor them here uh, before we start our service. So I'm going to give a moment of silence to honor those that have fallen, and then I'll pray, and then we'll begin our service. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the brave men and women who you chose to put right here in the United States of America, who would pick up our wonderful flag, God, and and ultimately give the sacrifice that was their life and service to our country so that we can be free, so that we can worship you freely. We thank you for them and for their families. We know that it can be a hard weekend this weekend. We pray that you give their families, their relatives, peace, strength and joy this weekend as they remember and honor those of their family. We pray for all the active service members, both abroad and other countries and here right at home. We pray that you protect them, you give them strength in in their mind and in their physical bodies. God, we know that according to Proverbs 18.10, that the righteous run to you, God, they find safety, that they know that your name is a strong tower, We pray that they be able to call out to you, God, to run to you and find their safety. We pray that you protect them, their families. You give them joy and peace this weekend. In your name we pray, God. Amen. Amen. Well, um, today's message I'm going to be speaking on, uh, I titled it, Our Salvation and Deliverance. I get that uh, title from the name Hosea. Hosea is a book of the Bible in the Old Testament. And his name means and translates to salvation or deliverance, really one and the same. To give you some context on the times that Hosea was living in, it was 750 years B.C. before Christ. And um, it was noted in the Bible, uh, talking about this time, that Israel was in great prosperity. They had um, some some national security concerns, uh, but that... God purposely wrote this and spoke to his people 
to show how far they have fallen, that they had put their, their trust in other nations to protect them. They had taken the sacred holidays that were supposed to be dedicated to God and, and, and turned them around, secularized them, and put them to other gods. And you'll be able to see kind of where we land that at today. So I uh, just want to go ahead and jump right into Scripture. We're starting in Hosea. It's in the NLT version, uh, chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. Verse 2, when the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of Deblam, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. And that is my first point, that God delivers the prostitute. We see here in just the first couple of scriptures of the book that um, a beautiful transformation has taken place. I really see how God in this story tries to take two people who are on the total opposite ends of society. One, we have a man, Hosea, who is God's prophet here on earth. He is literally God's mouthpiece to God's people. He's a righteous man and he is a holy man. And on the other side, we have a woman named Gomer who is a prostitute. Don't know how long she's been a prostitute. In the, I'm sure she's a slave as well. Um, but we know that in society that she is probably looked down upon, that she is the most degraded, despicable, literally only there to please men. Someone who is at the total opposite side of society. But with these two worlds colliding, God chose the, the um, holy covenant of marriage. And here, it's such a redemptive story of how she then has three children, if you go to read on in the first chapter. Something that's very, very beautiful. Something we love. Something the human heart loves to see happen. But if you know the story of Hosea, which we'll continue to read, that this isn't the end of the story. Skipping down to Hosea chapter 3, is where the story picks back up. Verse 1, it says, Then the Lord said to me, which is Hosea, Go and love your wife, Gomer, again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. In chapter 2, which is what's in here, it doesn't give us anything. It doesn't tell us, um, you know, they got into a crazy bad fight, that one was treating the other one terrible. All we know that is that when we pick up after she has three children is that Hosea is left alone, Gomer is gone, and he's back to the same spot, except now he has three children, and he doesn't have their mother, who is, by the scripture, we can see back on the same exact street that she began with, that Hosea found her on as a prostitute. I like to try and put myself in, in the shoes of those who are found in the Bible, because a lot of times we can just skim over, we've only gone through three scriptures, but something that's so, so small, but when I think about what it was like for Hosea to one, find her in the first place, but now that she's gone, probably to wake up, look around for Gomer in the morning, where, she, where is she at? Maybe he knew that she was going to leave, maybe he didn't, maybe it was just out of the, the dead of night, to go over to the dresser and to find a note from Gomer saying, um, I can't do it anymore, I'm sorry. And maybe that's all she said to him. And I'm sure Hosea in his mind was thinking, I cannot believe she has left me. 
I'm sure early in their marriage that Gomer would describe to Hosea the type of life she was living on the streets. I'm sure she told him stories about how terrible her pimp was, how much, she degra- how much he, de- he degraded her, beat her, put her into submission, had her in chains and shackles. I'm sure she could show Hosea the scars of what, what it was like when she was there. I'm sure she would say things like, I had good friends who were there. I would talk to them one day and they would be gone and dead the next day. This is the life that she was probably living as a prostitute. And for Hosea to now know that this is the life that she has chosen to live. I have given her everything I can give her. I've given her children, shelter, protection. I'm sure she, her broken heart was healed after being a prostitute. And now Hosea is left alone with their three kids. And he thinks and he knows that Gomer would rather be back into the streets than with him. Finishing Scripture 1. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel. Even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them, the other gods. If you guys can't tell by Scripture now, this is a pure representation of Jesus Christ who was to come 750 years later. Hosea was a prophet and this story was to show clearly God as Hosea and Gomer as you and I. I'm sorry, this is a rough picture sometimes of how we treat God. But God is using a story and a parable like this to get through our heads sometimes how we act. And it's hard to swallow this. And I know sometimes, and not always, it's a physical act of prostitution that we find ourselves in that we're trying to relate to here. But a lot of times, we put on makeup, we wear clothes, and we sell ourselves to things of this world, to the devil, to get the quick fix, to find us what is easy, what we've always known. And sometimes it takes a story like this. Verse 2, So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. So now Hosea, it says, is basically back on the streets. I'm putting myself back in Hosea's position of going back to that same street. I don't even know if he knew where prostitutes were at when he first found her. But going back now to the first street, I'm sure as he turns the corner, Gomer is looking for, uh, to satisfy her, to get her next customer. And I'm sure at some point, Gomer, the mother of his three children, makes eye contact with him. And I know Gomer in her mind is probably saying, I cannot believe he showed up. I purposely came back here to get as far away from him as I could. I'm sure as he begins to walk up as well, her, her head is hanging low. She is in such misery and, and so disgusted at herself. She probably thinks that Hosea is going to be extremely mad. That, that she's left him, left her children. But I, I know that as a man of God, I'm sure he went up to her and said, I love you. I need you. I want you to come back home with me. Our children, they miss you. We had something that was beautiful. You don't have to be back in this. Gomer probably said something like, okay. And after they, 
After they talked it out, and clearly as she decided to come back home, I'm sure they just started to walk away. And uh, as they walk away, her pimp says, puts his hand right out in front of her and says, what do you think you're doing, man? He says, Jose would say something back like, this is my wife, and we're going home. She is mine, and I am hers. And sure, the pimp says, I don't give a crap who you are. This is my girl. This is my territory. You're coming into something that's mine. This is her price. If you want her, you can pay the price. And so there's a scripture of what Hosea had to pay for. But we know that Hosea probably already bought her once. And so now here he is back to the same place, probably paying a higher price for something that's already his. He is coming back to pay for what is already his. Leads me to my second point, which is God delivers the prostitute again. Verse 3. Then I said to her, Hosea is speaking to Gomer, you must live in my house for many days and stop your prostitution. During this time, you will not have sexual relations with anyone, not even me. This third verse is actually my favorite verse of the whole story because um, the term that they, the Bible uses in some different translation is betroth. And so the term betroth means that you are committed to someone, but you're not um, sexually active with them. And the commentary uh, also noted that. I want you guys to really listen to this. This is an important part of the scripture. And I think this sums up everything that this story is about. It says, quote, Notice the difference between God's union and a union that is of man. When a man marries, he turns a virgin into a non-virgin, from a virgin into a woman. But when God joins with prostitutes, he changes them from a prostitute into a virgin. I'm going to say that again. God changes when he, gets with a, when he, joins a, when he finds a prostitute. God changes him or her from a prostitute into a virgin. He takes a dirty, broken heart. I'm not talking about a physical condition right now. He takes a dirty, broken heart into something that is pure and righteous in the sight of Christ. Because we know that 2,000 years ago, 750 years after Hosea, 2,000 years ago from today, Jesus Christ died on the cross to take a beaten, shackled, degraded prostitute whose name was myself, you, 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 everybody in the crowd, and he takes you from being this beaten, degraded prostitute who is selling yourself to the highest bidder, anybody who will give you attention, anybody who will tell you that you are loved, and he takes you and he makes you a child of God. He makes you a co-heir with Christ. He, you can put on the righteousness of Christ and say that I am righteous. I am holy in the sight of God. That's what we see right here in the story. We know that no man can take a prostitute's heart and change it into a virgin. Only God can make a dirty, broken heart into something that is righteous and something that is pure. And lastly, in verse 5, it says, In the last days, Hosea is prophesying right here. He says, They will tremble in awe of the Lord and of His goodness. 
In the Old Testament, God has never changed. He doesn't change His heart. But sometimes He changes the way He's communicated and done things with His people. And Hosea wouldn't say something like this, that they will tremble in awe of the Lord and His goodness if that's what they were already doing. He's talking about something in the future that's to come. Many people would tremble in fear of what God could do. Which leads me into my third point, that God's love is unconditional. Flipping back into chapter 2, the chapter we skipped, it doesn't have to do with the story of Hosea and Gomer. It has to do with how God feels towards Israel. How He feels towards His people. You read that God is extremely hurt. We don't always think of God to have these human-like emotions. But here, God is talking about how Israel is no longer His wife. He is no longer their husband. About how God will let her or us chase after the men let her chase after the things, the worldly things she wants, but he's never going to let her find it. That he's going to let her thirst in the desert as, as she goes out to try and find what she should be finding in God. And it goes through about the whole chapter of God just pouring out his raw emotion of hurt. But before the end of the chapter, it says in Hosea chapter 2, verse 19 and 20, But I will make you my wife forever showing you righteousness and justice, showing you my unfailing love and compassion. I will be faithful to you and make you mine, and you will finally know me as the Lord. Truly, God's love is unconditional. See, although Gomer was a prostitute, turned wife and mother back into a prostitute, by the grace of God, his love was unconditional and went back to the same exact street and found her. But even with this story, I know there's still probably some people in here thinking that, um, that God's love can't reach you. Whether that's for the first time, whether that's for the second time, like Gomer, or the third, fifth, thousandth, or a millionth time. Why? Because I know I've been sitting in a church where I cry myself to sleep at night and I say, God, I'm tired of hurting you. I don't even want you back. I don't want you to come and forgive me because I'm tired of hurting you. I don't deserve your forgiveness. And I want to speak to those for a second who feel like that today. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25, God is speaking about when you ask for forgiveness here. He says, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. The term blot is not something we use commonly today. But when you look at the context of the Scripture, it speaks about, and it translates this to, obliterates from the memory. So rereading that, it says, I alone will obliterate from my memory your sins. See, we as humans assume that every relationship, just like God and us, is what we've experienced before. So we take the experience of relationships in our lives and apply that to every single other relationship. And so we, when we view God, um, like take for example when, um, like say if me and Becca were to get in a fight, we'd um, let it out, we'd throw some punches verbally, and, um, and we, you know, I've been hurt, she's been hurt, we'd, we're humans. And we can ask for forgiveness and make up. But guess what? You could come and ask her a week later. You could ask me a week later, hey, did this fight happen? Did they say X, Y, and Z? Yes, yes. 
Did it hurt? Yes, it did. Did you forgive him? Yes, but I still remember it. That's how we think that God uses his hurt and how, we've, and how he views us. See, also, this is a hard scripture to comprehend because even from when we are so small, we, we hear songs like, you know, God's got the whole wide world in his hands. He knows every thought in your head to every hair on your head. He's everywhere at all times and he knows he's the beginning and the end and he created you and all these things. So how could he possibly forget something? You have to understand that God has put boundaries and basically a set of rules for how he interacts with us. This is one of the rules he has implemented for himself that he does not violate of how he interacts with us. Another example, I'll give you two more. You know, I remember back in high school, um, a teacher would write something up on a dry erase board and uh, it'd be up there for maybe a week or two. And I guess, I don't know the science behind it, but the dry erase dries out. And so you can take a, you can try and wipe it off and whatever, but you actually still see like an outline of everything that was written until you take some type of chemical and, and wipe it off. And that's how sometimes we think that God does it. He says, um, you know, Here's, here's the sin you did with, that you were seven. That's what something I've never forgotten. That's how we think God. And here's what you got into at 16. And here's the person you did this to at 18. And we think that God just erases that. But in the back of his mind, just in case you do something else dumb, he's going to look back here and say, I'm done with you. This is how it goes. Also, we can think of it like a, a piece of paper. That when you write something on a piece of paper, uh, you can take a pencil uh, eraser and erase it. But clearly, there's still some smudges there's still an outline of exactly what was written. And we think that God just uses the eraser, takes it off, but clearly he can still see everything and can use it on you whenever you want. It's truly amazing to think that when you hear obliterates from the memory, can you think of anything more powerful in the language that we use today to try to describe what he does to your sin? There's nothing more, I mean, I try and think of a nuclear bomb, but he does even crazier things than that. It's something to even obliterate more than that, your sin from his mind. Can everybody say amen to new beginnings and grace every day? Amen. Amen. Maybe some of you all have only known God in fear, just like I was talking about in the Old Testament, before they knew the latter days, which they would be in all of his goodness. In referencing back in verse 5, it says, again, in the last days they will tremble in awe of the Lord and His goodness. And I want to focus on His goodness real quick, of how good He is to us. I want everybody to take a deep breath. Good. I want everybody to close your eyes. I'm going to speak some words, something that has testified to my spirit testified to my journey that I have fallen back on of who God is to me. These are words and names of God that are referenced from the Old Testament. I want you all to listen to this. I'm going to say them twice. God is El Shaddai. He is our Almighty God. He is Emmanuel. He is God that is right there with us. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the Lord that provides. He is Jehovah Nisi. He is the Lord. He is our banner. He is our protection. Jehovah Shalom, He is the Lord, is peace. He is our peace. He is Jehovah Rohi, He is the Lord who is our shepherd. 
Jehovah Rapha is the Lord who heals us. Again, one more time, I want you guys to listen to these. And whatever you are going through, I want you to find your refuge in these. He is El Shaddai. He is the Almighty God. He is Emmanuel, God who is with us. Jehovah Jireh is the Lord who provides all of our needs. Jehovah Nisi is the Lord who is our banner and our protection. Jehovah Shalom is the Lord is our peace. Jehovah Rohi is the Lord my shepherd. And Jehovah Rapha is the Lord who heals. It is so good to know that God supplies all of our needs. Those are those from the Old Testament. As they praise God and thank God, those are the terms they give to God. And to recap, one, we know that God delivers the prostitute. Two, we know that God delivers the prostitute again, whether it's the second time or the thousandth time. And number three, we know that God's love is unconditional. And with all heads bowed and eyes closed, as I mentioned in, in the first point that God delivers the prostitute, you all may find yourself never knowing the love of God before. Feeling like you are down and out and beaten and shackled and tied to things you should not be tied to with someone over you who degrades you and beats you and puts you back into the same spot that is depressing. Maybe you're the second point where God delivers the prostitute again, where you have known the love of God, but that you have fallen so far back, you don't even want to see God walk around the corner right now. You don't want to make eye contact with him because you know maybe how much you've hurt God. I want to let you know that it's okay, that God is there to take you back again. Or maybe you're number three and you don't think that God's love is unconditional. You think that just because you do something wrong that he's going to remember that sin, that he's going to bring it up and that he's going to hate you for it and never ask you back. If that's anybody, any of those three points and you want to do something about it today and you want to change it today, I want you to have faith that you know that God is right there waiting for you to say, yes, God, I need you back. I want you back. I want your love. I want your protection. I want your goodness. I want to know you as my shepherd. I want to know you as my peace. I have no peace. I want you to provide for me, God. I can't provide for myself. No one else can provide for me like you can. If that is you and you need that right now today, I want you to raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to pray for you today. Heavenly Father, you know the hands that were lifted and raised. You know exactly where they are, God. They don't have to say a word for you to know the condition of their heart, Lord, and that they are ready for you to come back to them. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you speak to them right now. That you remind them that they are not the beaten, shackled prostitute laying on the street, God, but that they are a child of God that they are a co-heir with Christ. Heavenly Father, come back into their hearts. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you forgive them of their sins, that you make them a new creation in you, Christ, that they experience the love that Gomer experienced going from death to life. 
continue to provide for them all the days of their lives and return to them and let them experience the joy of your salvation and deliverance from the shackles of this world that Satan has put on them and let them experience the freedom that you have always planned for their lives. We thank you for it all, Jesus, and we pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking to you all today, and I hope you were blessed and reminded of...